We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands and waters where we're recording from, the Awabakal and Wanarua peoples. We acknowledge the Awabakal and Wanarua elders, both past and present. Field for the Newcastle Knights. Darren Tracy, his first touch of the footy. Now Andrew John. Tights a little hole himself. He's close. Right. He reaches out. That's a tight to Andrew John. Bruce Street from the little halfback. And that's a good reward for a great game in his debut match for the Newcastle Knights in first grade. Andrew John scores the try and that should wrap it up for the night. Coming to you live from Awabaka and Wanarua lands, this is the Bay 53 Podcast. We are part of the Sports Best Friend Podcasting Network, brought to you by A-plus Contracting and Polywell Welding. It is heartbreak central in the Bay after a devastating loss at home to arch-rival Manly, as the Knights find themselves on the back of three losses in a row heading into round six. There were injuries, there are errors. It was the full Knights package in our first Thursday night game in Newcastle, and you better believe we've got the hottest of hot takes ready for your ears. It's another week, nay, another year, Bretto, and here we are pondering what might have been but more importantly, wondering what the hell is going on. Um, the Knights are going on. That's what's going on. Oh, they're definitely they're going on. They're, they're, they're just going on and on and on, those uh, those boys in red and blue. Wow. I, yeah, that was that was the full Knights gambit, wasn't it? <laughs> Dumb, stupid, pointless, irrelevant, wet. Yeah, it was the full Knights. <laughs> uh, was that... Uh, the, our worst home loss under Adam O'Brien in his two years and uh, five games as head coach of the Knights. Um, yeah, it's hard to argue. I still would say probably the awful, awful display against the Dragons last year. Maybe. Yeah. Only because the Dragons are bloody awful and Manly, even without Turbo, is still, you know, they're still a reasonable side. Yep. But, you know, at least the Dragons, we had the excuse of no KP that day. Yep. Um. The only other one that obviously comes to mind is the 2020 home loss uh, in similarly torrential rain uh, against the Bulldogs. Um, but we had even more significant injuries that day, and but we scored. We still managed to score more points. So yeah, even and, I, and, I, and I don't think and I don't think we were all for that day. I thought you know yeah. Bulldogs you know played pretty well, and we you know we just we adapted to the conditions eventually. We just started slowly and didn't quite get over the top of them. We never looked like winning other than for about five minutes last night. Yeah. Now, um, look, we'll, we'll probably jump straight into it. But one of the good things about being uh, the Thursday night game is that um, there are no other games to really look at. <laughs> so we don't have to worry about uh, doing too much around the grounds uh, for this episode. But I did want to give it a, an immediate shout out. We probably gave it a miss last week or over, it was an oversight last week. Uh, we do continue to be sponsored by our very good good friends, Mr. Andrew Hughes at A-plus uh, contract in polywelding, who I know for a fact uh, withstood the or braved the elements last night to go and uh, to go and watch us out at McDonald Jones Stadium. And uh, yeah, we always like giving a shout out to A-plus. Uh, give them a call for all of your um, all of your contracting and polywelding needs. 
Bretto, it, it's not necessarily around the grounds, but I guess we it, we would be remiss to um, we've got a bit of extra time. It is to have a look at a couple of other big issues that have been doing the rounds in rugby league world. One specifically Newcastle, and one not specifically Newcastle. Um, and I guess we saw a little bit of it last night in the Knights game with the way the game was uh, refereed. Um, but the wrestles back. PVL has uh, come out and said uh, he's uh, annoyed that after the first few rounds of the season, the wrestle is back, the game's not as good, and uh, our ref- the referees are now mandated to do something about it. Mate, what, what the hell is he talking about? What What is going on? You and I have been enjoying the first five rounds of football, Newcastle Knights' uh, last few games notwithstanding. Uh, where is PVL all of a sudden coming from with this thing that the game is suddenly not as good as he seems to imagine it was? The man's an idiot. What he considers the wrestle is good defence. Yeah, yeah, teams are holding on and taking the piss occasionally. Merely got away with it last time. Good luck to them, and the, you know, and the better clubs still, you know, do things. But the wrestle, when what it was known as was the grappling, was the leg locks, was the the chicken wings, all those sort of things. That was the wrestle. Now they seem to think that any time you get a guy on the ground in a good tackle and hold him there at all, that's wrestle. No, that's good defence. If you come up with a good tackle where the referee allows you a bit of time to slow the ruck down because you're dominant, that's good defence. And all of a sudden that's become wrestle. Like, the man's just a moron. What do you think Volandis is trying to achieve? Like, do you ever take a moment to just consider going inside his head for a moment and just got thinking to yourself, what? how does he see the game? I mean, does he have a big picture of the game where he's looking at something that's happening on the field and he's like, no, 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 this is not the way that I envisage the way of rugby league going. I don't like the way it looks. What? What is his philosophy or or um, vision for the game, as it were, if he thinks that what's going on in the first five rounds of the season is bad for rugby league. I don't think he has a vision, mate, because sometimes he wants to look like the 80s, and if you look at the 80s, the game was nothing but wrestle. Mm. Um, I, honestly, this is the hot take alert. I really just think that there's a little boys club down there with him, Gus, a few others, and they ju- and, and whatever Gus, and we've seen with Gus in his commentary, whatever Gus, you know, has got a hot thing on his mind for the week is what Gus talks about. And that's what it's become. It's become the Channel 9 little expose. I don't think Valenius actually has an interest in running rugby league, the game on the field. I think that he's quite a good businessman and he, um, you know, he, he's done well for rugby league in that regard, other than the fact that, you know, he lets Channel 9 do what they want in terms of finances, but rugby league's still in a good financial position. Um, I don't think in terms of on the field, he, ha- he actually has a vision. He just listens to idiots like Gus because the ris- the wrestle doesn't exist. The wrestle is good defense. The, the reason why, they brought in the rule that a dominant tackle is allowed a bit of leeway because the game was getting too fast. Mm. And we got to the point we got last year where it became touch football. Yeah. Nobody wanted that. No, even, and not even the fact that the scores were lopsided. I don't want to see 46 to 44 because that's not earning tries. That's not what rugby league is about. You know, just running teams through the middle is not good rugby league to watch. That's touch football. I think you and I have sort of discussed it before. I'm, in terms of I compare the try in rugby league to say the six in cricket or even the home run in um, in baseball in terms of people there seems to be this thought process in sports administration that seems to be 
they've pinpointed an aspect of the game that people like, i.e. scoring points or runs. So they seem to think that their role is to maximise or produce more of those moments, the thinking being that, well, fans will enjoy seeing those things and then they'll be more likely to watch the game um, and then we'll get more people in and the game will be bigger and all that, all of me and my mates will make some money and, and that'll be great. But it's so short-sighted to be looking at any sporting venture, which is that try more tries must equal more fun or, you know, more goals or more... Baseball is one of those games where you can't manufacture more home runs. It's really hard to hit that ball over the fence, no matter what rules you bring in. And so the reason I sort of point that out is that whereas you look at cricket or you look at rugby league or you know even to a certain extent soccer, there's a lot that you can do on the field to manufacture circumstances where you can create more of these sport, these scoring opportunities. But, of course, what we're finding is that people don't like more sixes in cricket. You know, like people sort of – you started to tire of it with T20. Like, oh, again, the sixes, they've scored another six. Well, that's great. Or, you know, I remember back in the days of Super Rugby where you were looking at 50 to 40 score. The points start to lose meaning. So people don't get excited because there's lots of tries being scored – People get excited by the sport because they see something that has meaning. And if you see something that has meaning more often, that's what that's what attracts you to the game. So we come full circle and this idea that, well, if we make the game faster, there'll be more points scored and it'll be better. No, that's, that's simply not it at all. If you want to watch a game with high scoring points, go and watch AFL. Go and watch basketball because that's not what rugby league is about. Rugby league is about the, the contest. Um, it's, the middle, the it's the middle ground sports, you know. Soccer is the low-scoring, intense sport. AFL and basketball, the high-scoring, high high-flying. Rugby league's in the middle. Mm. So um, I, think what, I think what's been surprising for me this week is that um, certainly people who love the game seem to be enjoying the game at a pre-2021 level again. But I think what's just sort of been lost in all of this is that is that Volandis is saying the wrestle is spoiling the game. Now, there's a couple of things about that. And I'm not going to go over what you said because you've sort of covered that quite well from a technical perspective. But is the wrestle really stopping new people watching the game? Is 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 it such a is it such a problem for the game that it's actively stopping new people watching it? And the second question as well is that is the wrestle at such a high level of problem that the people who are who currently love the game are enjoying it less? Those are really the two things that you need to be looking at. And from where I'm sitting, the wrestle's not keeping people new fans away from the game. And this apparent wrestle, as Volandi seems to think it. It's certainly not ruining that, certainly not from my perspective. So I don't understand what the purpose behind fixing this made-up problem is. But that's the point, mate. I don't think there is a purpose. I think that it's just people running the odd agenda. I, my, my honest opinion, like I honestly believe Phil Gould has built a team at Canterbury that, sorts the 20, that suits the 2021 rules. He bought a flying winger, a offloading, stepping forward, a running a run first half. Um that's what Phil Gould has built his team around. And mm. under this year's rules, that team has been exposed as not up to standard and they will be finished 
bottom four like they always do. Mm. I I honestly think that a lot of that noise is about the fact that Canterbury are not built for the rules that have gone back. Yeah. And it's a shame because, I mean, one of the things that we sort of noticed, particularly uh, after the pandemic break in 2020 and then even a lot more in 2021, is, is you're right. It's not fair on teams to be recruiting for a certain set of rules that get changed either just as the season starts or just as the season is about to start. But having said that as well, like there are no rule changes that came in this year that clubs weren't aware of. Like they'd sort of, you know, they'd had ample time to prepare for what was coming. Uh, I don't think too many teams can have too many complaints about the way the game was being officiated this season because they were all ready for it. The, the, problem, the problem is 100% the, the fact that they use now one referee. And I, for the love of God, do have no idea why we went back to one referee. Mm. That's the issue. Teams, the referee can't look in both spots. The The reason why two referees came in was because a referee, it was too hard for a referee to referee the ruck and, and um, referee the 10 metres. And that's proven to be again. And it was okay last year because they didn't have to referee the ruck. It was automatically just a six again if there was a slight bit of holding down. You know, there was no, there was no pressure on the referee giving a penalty is. Um, that's the problem, that once the rules have gone back, that the one referee's been exposed. So do we go back to two referees? Oh, we have to. We won't, because Fellini's is a moron, but we, ha- <laughs> we have to. <laughs> um, I'm always curious, or no, I'm not always curious, but in terms of the way the two-referee system worked, my, the thing I never liked about the way the two referees worked, and I'm happy to be proven wrong on this, was that they chop and changed their role during the game. See, I'm of the opinion you have one 10-metre ref, you have one See, ruck but that ref. that stopped. Before they dropped it, that stopped. They went to a, they went to a controlling referee and a ruck referee. Yeah. That's, that was, you're right, that was 100% an issue. That depending on which referee was in control of your part of the game at the time, the rules were slightly different. But that actually changed for the last probably 18 months, two years before they went to one referee. That there was just a ruck referee and there was the actual referee. Yeah. Uh, it's frustrating. It, look, it's definitely frustrating to watch. It's certainly frustrating to follow because um, in a lot of ways, rugby league really is, it's such an easy game to administer. Like you have your chop, you, you chop and change your rules here and there in terms of, you know, occasional interpretation. Like, oh, we've noticed X has started to happen, so we'll rein it in here. But the thing that sort of started to get to me is that these these rule changes on the run over the last two and a half years it does nobody any good. First of all, it does coaching and back offices no good because, as we've pointed out, they've got to recruit in readiness for a season where they don't know what's going to happen from one week to the next. I'll give you an the- example in regards to that. David Clemens' value halved last year and has tripled this year. Yeah, no, exactly right. Exactly. David right. Clemens was completely had no value at all in the game last year, and this year the Knights are would pay more than he's getting paid now because they've shown without him how weak they are in the middle. Exactly. So it does admit it does the players no good because they're trying to um, you know follow these rules on a week to week basis to make sure that they're playing within the the rules as they understand it. And they're not always going to get it right if the things are always changed. I've got to be honest with you though, the group of the, the group that I feel the most for in all of this is in fact the referees because and we've we've discussed this before. There is no a group of officials in world sport that gets hammered more than rugby league referees. I think it is genuinely one of the hardest jobs to do in world sport because you are 
suddenly always answerable to everybody, you know, even down to the extent that your own boss will hold a press conference every Monday and tell the public where you got everything wrong. Um, and they're being expected to administer, um, sorry, officiate the game while also simultaneously making sure that they're keeping everybody happy and it's a product that everybody wants to watch. I've got absolute nothing, absolute sympathy for referees in our game and I would hate to be in their position. The idea that is crept in a rugby league that the referees are responsible for the spectacle is just so far from reality, it's ridiculous. The referees are responsible to referee the game and administer the rules. Correct. This, this thing has crept in, especially from the media and through the media, it's crept in the fans now, that if a great game is boring and sloppy, it's the referee's fault, is ridiculous. Yeah, sometimes the referee does let the game get a bit out of hand, but he's, it's not his job to make the, make the spectacle. That's mm. the player's job and the coach's. Um, I, I, I don't know why anyone would become a rugby league referee. I really don't. I, it, it, there's, there is zero reward for being a good referee. Mate, the other thing I want to talk about, and I said, I mean, you know, we could, it, 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 the refereeing and the rules at the moment are the hottest topic in, in rugby league land, um, at the moment. So we could talk about it a lot. I don't think we're going to cover anything that hasn't already been discussed uh, everywhere else. I guess the other thing that I do want to t- put a, ribbon in or and it'll sort of flow into last night's game is has Kalen Ponga turned himself into a liability that the Knights can no longer afford given the week we've just had over his lunch with Wayne Bennett is that a genuine question that now needs to be asked about his role in the club Kalen Ponga has through his own Self-interest, and rightly so. Self-interest is what he should have at the forefront of his mind. But through his own self-interest, has created a story which has taken every breath of goodwill away from him and the Knights. Agreed. This crap that I keep seeing that the media run this narrative, I'll tell you why the media run this narrative, because KP won't put a pin in it. Yeah. Why wouldn't they? They gets clicks. Of course they're going to put them. Like, the, the rugby league media is the rugby league media. They've been like that since day one. This did not have to happen. This And his dad's come out today and said, oh, it's the most important decision he's ever made. Doesn't matter, mate. You made the decision. You put this contract in place for these two option years. You had to make a decision. Even if that decision was, no, we, we, don't, we, we, we won't take the, the options. We want to renegotiate. If that's your decision, fine. Make that decision. But this thing where they just don't um, invoke the options has created this situation. I want KP to stay. I want KP to stay on whatever money the Knights think he's worth. But this situation is his own making. And he seems very comfortable with it all as well. He seems like he's in a good place with it all, which is great for him. Uh, I I don't buy the line from Adam O'Brien that he's comfortable with it. That the that the administration's oh, that, been hundred percent spin. Yeah, I don't I don't think the club is comfortable with it. I think they I think they regret doing the player option the way that they did. But I think that was the only way they were going to get him at least locked in for the last two years that that they've had. And look, I'm certainly not going to get in a position of saying that the, the um, tail should wag the dog when it comes to the fans. But I can tell you from a fan perspective, we went through this with Andrew Johns. Mate, going through it all again 20 years, it's, it, it, it's not worth it. It is such a nightmare to be going through because this is, at the end of the day, a fan. as fans, yes, we are very irrational about our love. 
or you know our passion for this very abstract sporting organization but it's still something that we care about it's still something that a lot of people care about and when you sort of see something that you care about being used as an essentially a negotiating chip for one person they're like well i get that you don't care about this as much as i do but you know, we play a part in paying your wages. So at least show us some respect by acknowledging that you're um, you're doing these things to something that that I give a, that I give a fuck about. Yeah, like that's right. It's it's the lack of respect shown for the club that's really got to me. Mm. Um, I completely get it from KP's perspective. Why would he lock himself in if he thinks he can get more money? Like I completely understand it from his perspective. But, mate, don't cry and don't make a joke about it in the media because you keep getting asked about it. You're getting asked about it because you've created a situation where it's a really hot topic in rugby league. If you want this situation because you want the Knights to be held over a barrel, own up, mate. Mm. Man up. Accept it. Say to the media, yeah, I'm not happy with my deal. Not these, oh, I love it here, the deal's, you know, the deal's the deal. I'm just not ready to sign. None of that crap. That's all bullshit and spin. This club is bigger than you, Caelan Ponga. Man up, sign the deal, or say to the Knights, no, I want more money. But either way, be a man about it. It's got to the point where now where I'm happy to let him walk because I am so sick to the back teeth of hearing about it. He's the best player in this club, and in my opinion, he's going to be the best player, this cl- second best player this club's ever had. <laughs> but I'm ready to let him walk because I'm so sick of hearing about it. I think that's the He's other... turning the roster. I don't care what anyone says. The rest of the players will not be happy about it. I think what gets me as well is that is this narrative that's, that he certainly did try to spin um, from a public perspective where he sort of went from a couple of years there going, I want to be here for, you know, 10 years or sort of to last year going, look, I'm, I'm locked in, I'm not going anywhere, <laughs> to earlier this year saying, yep, I'm, I'm here, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm um, part of this now. His, his dad came out in the media and got Brent, Brent Reid to give us the line, yep, no, KP's not going anywhere. Well, literally this week, they've both acknowledged that that is all bullshit because they are saying we're taking our time because this is a big decision. And I'm like, well, we can't trust anything you say to us now because you've literally spent two years to us saying KP loves it in Newcastle and he's not going anywhere. And now you've literally come out this week and said, we don't know what where, where Kalen's going to be. It's like, well... Then we get, and it just creates this um, sort of lack of trust, and it creates this discontent, and you know it's it starts to. Try, I don't care what the players say, and it all starts to impact them. Looks like, oh, what's KP doing? What's our captain doing? You know, what should I be doing? And it just starts to create this uncertainty, where the next thing you know, it's round twelve. We've only won four games, and that's another season that's written off. And these things have a flow-on effect. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, and even the point where the Knights now can't suspend our salary cap this year because they know they've got to try and keep a little bit of side yes. in case KP wants more money. Yes. Like, it's it's horrific, the situation that we've got ourselves into. And the club's to blame too. The idea of giving a player two, two options is ridiculous. One option, I buy that. A lot of players get it. But, the, but two options? No way in hell should he have got two player options. Um. Andre Ponga, I don't know the man. I think he's full of crap myself. His story changes every five minutes. <laughs> it, it, just he, it just does. It just does. He, his story changes every time he speaks. He's he's the Wayne Bennett of fathers. He has his media, media people, and he puts his spin through the media people that he has, he has on side. He drip feeds them. Um, yeah, I, I don't. 
I, I, I'm so, I'm so sick of hearing, so sick of hearing about the Ponga family. It's unbelievable. I thought it was very, it was a very pointed comment from uh, O'Brien in his press conference last night, where he said, um, "This is the contract that Kalen signed, that we signed with." Kay-. And I thought, I thought he was saying it without saying it, which was that we've only got our, we've got ourselves to blame for this as much as anybody else. We're, we're just as big a part of this as uh, as what Kalen's done. So I'd be very surprised if the club's going to do anything like this again for um, any player. Oh, that's right, and. And I think that the other players know that. I think the other players know that they're going to get held over a barrel because of what KP's put the club through. Mm. Um, I I really think it's affecting the players, and I think it's affecting the players in the sense that they they are putting their bodies on the line every week. Yep. And whether they play good or bad, they're getting no mention. Every story is about KP. Yeah. And, and that's because of KP. I don't care. Yeah, the media or the media. They're idiots. They're, they're wolves. But the story is a story because of KP and Andre Ponga. Like, it's ridiculous. Um, I was a big advocate of the fact that when all this sort of took off, you know, before the, before this contract, when would, when the, the last one was sort of getting negotiated, I was um, of the fact, well, a lot of these guys need to thank KP for their, you know, the fact that they're now a successful team and their careers are improving because of how good he is. But he's actually hurting the team at the moment. So he's not helping their careers at all. No, I completely agree with that, 100%. He's he's, he's destroyed the value of some of those guys. Um, because, like, Bradman Best, 18 months ago, Bradman Best could have wrote his own ticket. Is anyone offering Bradman Best more than half a million now? No. No chance. Maybe the Tigers, but who, who wants to go there? <laughs> Look, Bretto, it's it's a story that obviously, unfortunately, will probably play out for at least another seven weeks. I don't think we're going to get an answer one way or another before round 12. Um, it is a shame. Um, so much promise over those first three rounds. Oh, the rule is budget round, mate. Oh, well, I, th- I think you and Man, I had... I think you it's and gonna I be done had- before round 10. Yeah, I think you and I had already prepared ourselves for the heartbreak that was coming with Magic Round. The only positive being that, once again, fortunately, we got the Knights game out of the way nice and early. Um, but, yeah, you can, as a yeah, fan... We're taking our you... partners this year, mate, so we can have a good holiday without, um, yeah, without dwelling on the fact that our team is fun. <laughs> uh, I think all we can do is just, as fans, hope that um, the players can uh, find a way to sort of look past it all and and start putting some um, better performances on the park, starting with the um, the Dragons next weekend. But we've got a game to review. And lock us in. We will win next week. We will win next week. Lock it in. Oh, you reckon? Yep. I think oh. I think ten days off is a godsend for this team at the moment. No, I think ten. I, I, personally, I think ten days off means we're just more likely to get lazy and lose by more. <laughs> Bretto, um, just, you know, Thursday night footy to kick off round six in Newcastle. Um, and it was a bit of a shame in terms of uh, 25th anniversary at home against our um, arch rival Manly, celebrating our first uh, premiership back in 1997. Dreadful conditions. It really was a shame for what should have been an otherwise um, big spectacle of an occasion with a, with a, big, um, with a big crowd there. Yeah, you know, and Thursday night was always going to affect the crowd. As I said last week, I'll expect about 15 on a, on a good night just because it's manly. But, yeah, in those conditions, yeah, credit that everyone turned up. Um, 
I, I'm I can yeah, I've got COVID and you and you're unwell too. So we were there, so we were we didn't brave it, but credit to the people that did brave it. Uh, I did get some messages from some very good close friends of the pod um, who uh, who let us know that they braved the conditions. And, um, yeah, absolute credit to you uh, all all involved. Um, wish I could have been there. Glad that I wasn't. Mate, um, the game kicked off in, to be honest with you, I think less than reputable circumstances. I mean... Is the is the player staying down syndrome becoming a bigger? Pro- I mean, that to me is a bigger problem in rugby league at the moment than any concerns you can have about the wrestle. Uh, forgetting for a fact that it's just an awful, awful look. You know, in in my entire life, rugby league fans have spent every spare second that they have where they're not bashing refs, laughing at soccer players for the way they go down faking injuries. And yet we're seeing more and more the reach for the shoulder or the reach for the neck stay on the ground long enough so that you can um, potentially grab a penalty for yourself. And that was the way the game started last night. Yeah, see, I don't, I don't, I think that was actually a mistake by the bunker and the referee. I don't think Marty stayed down for a headshot. Marty hit the shoulder. He was in quite a bit of pain, and he was yeah. down for that reason. The, the the issue was that as soon as soon as he stays down, they start looking for headshots. And I don't think Marty stayed down for his head. He wasn't holding his head. He was clearly holding his neck and his shoulder. And the referee, was, and the referee in the bunker started looking for head contacts. Like that was the issue. Mm. I, 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 I don't, I had no issue with Marty being hurt. Marty was hurt. Yeah. He showed that by the fact that he was re- every two minutes of the rest of the game, whenever he was on the field, he was clutching at his shoulder and, and flexing his hand, trying to get some feeling in his arm. Um, that was the referee and the ridiculous rules that caused that situation. Because he only played 24 minutes for the game. So I think once he got um, interchanged... Once he went off, he stayed off, yeah. Yeah, he didn't come back on again. Uh, It wasn't the best way for us to sort of start the game, though. Giving a penalty off the kickoff, we're immediately on the back foot. Uh, I thought, though, to be honest with you, we sort of defended well. Like, there were moments there where we were sort of starting to show that um, defensive resolve in, you know, awful conditions that we'd gotten excited about from the first two rounds. Yeah, but that that's kind of the thing. That Manly team without Turbo has got zero strike in it. Who scares you in that team? In those conditions, that team should should never shouldn't score against you really. They've got no strike without without Turbo in those conditions. Um we handled the comfortable, you're right. It was only once the concentration went that they started scoring. Um I thought I thought we just defended as we should. Um Manly opened up the scoring through Andrew Davey uh, after about 20 minutes. Another sort of forward barging over to open the scoring against us uh, two weeks in a row. Uh, it, was, it was a pretty deflating uh, way for um, for the score to, to kick off uh, from where I was sitting. Yeah, and that was all the previous play the ball. Stomach, quick play the ball near the line. Um, back row rang under it and the defence wasn't strong enough. Um, that was because we got blown apart in the middle. That was the tree. Yeah, the try was soft, but it was a rough before that, that set the try up. Um, when Jake Tavoyevic blows your middle apart, yeah, that's really, really not acceptable. Errors were the um, the name of the game for us. Uh, we only complete uh, thirteen errors for us during the whole evening. But oh man, there was some there were some dreadful, dreadful errors in that first half that just felt so elementary like they just felt like such simple stupid 
fumbling errors. It's the feedy, feed, it's the feedy Fijian for Burgess. Because <laughs> the twins have absolutely become the Burgess twins. They yeah, they just they could not hold on to the ball um, with any. And they've been all se- they've been like that all season, mate. Yeah, literally all season. They've both been, their hands have been pathetic all season. Um, they certainly I actually think that Dan. I actually think that Dan's origin spot is almost gone. I agree with that. I absolutely. I, I think he's absolutely. Freddie Freddie was not impressed with him last night. Oh really? Yeah, Freddie Freddie kept talking about his hands. Yeah. He's definitely playing himself out of out of a, an Origin jersey um, with each passing week. There's no doubt about it. Um, yeah, like you look you look at the the Origin sort of middles. I think it's almost certain they they'll pick Jack Turbo as a prop. Um, Junior Paul will get picked. Obviously, Payne Haas is a shoe in. So yep. I think Daniel's out. Yep. No, I completely agree with that. We managed to get into the sort of uh, into sort of half time. We were only ten points behind, and I sort of say only because um, I thought I thought Manly rode their luck a little bit, but I thought the amount of ball that we seemed to be giving them, they had uh, ample opportunities to to get up the field. And because um, I was watching it with my other half's uh, daughter last night, and I was sort of saying because she's a big soccer fan, and I said. Possession is definitely a part of rugby league, but one of the things you've got to sort of um, pay more attention to on rugby league is field position. Like, where is the play happening? And I just always got the impression that the majority of the play seemed to be happening down our defensive end, and we just couldn't get the ball out, and we just couldn't um, do much with it when we had it. And I just really felt like Manly had us covered for the majority of that first half. Yeah, I I actually think we... Had more possession than them, but our but our middle was going so poorly that we had no field position. Our sets were making twenty meters. Um, that was the issue. We uh, we couldn't get any field position. The no try. I'll, I'll, I want to talk about that, about that for a second. And it, and it was correctly ruled as no try, but that was actually a perfect run by Tyson Tyson Frizzell. He'd angled his run on the inside to hit the inside shoulder of his guy, and he, into the gap. Once, but once Kieran Foran realised that they were stripped for numbers, he just deliberately run across the field and, and in to Tyson Frizzell. And that's the problem with the black and white part of the rule. That Kieran Foran had nothing to do with Tyson Frizzell. Kieran Foran was marking the man inside Tyson. He just knew that they were stripped for numbers and ran inside and, yeah, fell over. Mm. Um, yeah, it's something, it's something that's getting worse and worse in the game, that. But how do you like? How do you combat that? Because at the end of the day, it's the attacker's responsibility to stay out of the way, out of the way of the defending player. Even if the defending player is coming at you or running at you, they have to make it pretty obvious that they've um, they've run at you. Because because then you start looking at well, tackling a player off the ball. Like you know what I mean. So um, how like at the end of the day, the responsibility will always fall on the attacking player to stay out of the way until the referee but, thinks. But- They've been tackled under but what suspicion. they've actually but what they've actually said is that you have to be on the inside shoulder and not initiate contact. Tyson ran on the inside shoulder of he of his man and didn't initiate contact. Kieran Ford initiated contact. Yeah. Kieran Ford, you, you watch the replay again. Anyone that doesn't believe me, watch the replay again. Kieran Ford literally runs across the field into Tyson Frizzell, knowing that his man was never getting the ball. Tyson was never getting the ball. Yeah. He just knew they were stripped for numbers. Tyson, it's the old. Oh, yeah. This is actually where the you can't disappear is a real thing. 
Yeah. Because Tyson did what he's supposed to do. He <laughs> ran on the inside shoulder of his man. He ran into the gap. He didn't stop in the line. No, the So um, if that's the case, you have to outlaw decoy runners. No, look, the um the, the Looney Clunes chat was definitely going haywire last night because when you pointed that out, I I certainly didn't agree with you at the time. I was like, no, I think you but you are right. If you look at it on replay on replay, um Kieran is definitely the one who appears to initiate the contact there. Um I think you can still make the argument, though. It's like, well, does, does Tyson need to be more intelligent there? Does he need to make more of an effort to get out of the way? Yeah, but that's the thing, but, mate. Like, Kieran Foran's a cheat. He's a flat-out cheat. He's always <laughs> been a cheat. That's, that's not the issue. What I'm saying is that the, the league can't reward guys for deliberately hitting the ground. Yeah. Because Melbourne would have run that play, and they would have run the exact same way the Knights did. And they might, and if Kieran Foran might have hit the ground against them too, and they might have got called back. Mm. But nine times out of ten, a team is not going to just deliberately run out, run it out, and hit the ground like Kieran Foran did. It was, it was really, really, really piss poor. You, you can't run that player any better. That play any better. And if you can't run that play, you can't run that play at all because that was perfectly run. Yeah. Um, I thought it was classic nights to not only have the try disallowed, but lose a player to injury after that. Um, I th- The first thing I thought was that Dom had injured himself from a collision with Dane but uh, in celebrating the try. But the word out of the press conference from O'Brien and certainly uh, on analysis from the NRL physio is that Dom sort of plants his knee into the turf as he's scoring the try and um, and that's where the uh, that's where the damage was caused. He always actually does that. He doesn't slide on his belly. He no, puts his knees into the ground and then falls forward. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's uh, it's not the greatest technique. <laughs> no, no. So anyway, so I mean, we lost um, we lost Dom to to injury. Which... Sorry, sorry, you go, mate. You know, you'd think with playing growing up in, on soft English grounds, he'd be wary of that sort of your knees digging in to the soft turf. Yeah. But he um, now he, he, he's he got to really work on that because that was, yeah, his own doing. Um, off the back of that, though, we sort of uh, – KP went off with uh, HIA. Um, he got hit fairly high by um, Morgan Harper and then he got his head jammed into the uh, turf. I mean, the two things that sort of jump to my mind immediately when it comes to KP is that I really get to, do get t- still get tired of people questioning his toughness. Uh, the other thing as well is that, again, it really does seem to be a free for all for Kalen Ponga. You're allowed to hurt him. I mean, there was no there was no action taken on the field in in, in either instance. And bearing in mind, as you pointed out, Tapao got a penalty that he didn't even claim for for head high contact. KP comes out of a tackle with a bloody nose and it's play on. Or I think I think Harper went on report it and said, but we didn't get any on-field reward for it. It's um It's just getting old, isn't it? Like yeah. it's just getting old. Both both sides are getting old. It's getting old to the point that people still question Kalen's toughness and his commitment. And that's ridiculous. He gets bashed. Like if you I wouldn't I would never question that guy's toughness. And I think he proves his commitment to the Knights while he's a member of the Knights. That's not in question. Yeah, I agree with that. But but you beat other guys get sneezed on and they get penalties. Um it's actually why I think the Kalen shouldn't be playing fullback. Because Kalen's got such a beating now, he 
he's so timid to catch the ball on his feet because he because he every time he used to he used to get taken high or taken late. So now every time he catches the ball, anyone around him, he catches it and falls over. It's um, it's really really affected his uh, his confidence, and it's as I said, it's why one of the reasons why I think he shouldn't be playing fullback. We lost Dom for the game. It looked like we lost KP for the game, although he did come back in the second half. I think what's probably going to be the more concerning long-term injury is it's either a broken forearm or an elbow dislocation to Jaira Momosia, and that is some just god-awful footage. You can see the deformity in his left forearm, and it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good at all. It, it doesn't look like it's going to be Jaira's season, mate, which is a shame. Um, yeah, that, I really think that puts Jaira's career at a crossroads. Oh, really? Um, in terms of the Knights, the Knights can't afford to carry guys like that anymore. We haven't got the depth. So guys like him that are, that have serious injuries every season. And because of that, they're not developing. We can't, we can't carry them in our squad anymore. Yeah. He's going to have suitors because he's a talented kid. Um, yeah, and we and we can't pay him a fortune because we can't have a guy that's always injured and is not developing because he's always injured in our squad. I really think that puts Jairus' career at a crossroads. I really do. Unless he's the sort of kid that just says, oh, I'm going to take a cheap deal because I want to get fit and prove myself. Yeah. Um, injuries are starting to pile up. I mean, one of the reasons Matt uh, – I think Matt Croker was in line for a run last night and he broke his jaw playing for – playing New South Wales Cup last weekend. So, yeah, the injuries are starting to, um, in classic Knights style, um, pose a, um, a big problem for us uh, as we start to get into the meatier part of the season. Uh, the new medical staff, mate, they, they, they thought they'd seen it all. They thought they'd been around the traps. Wow. Like, we just can't take a trick. And they're all contact injuries. It's not like we've got guys doing hamstrings all the time and, you know, stuff like that. They're all contact injuries. Nothing you can do about them. They're just rugby league. I did make a point in the chat last night, and I think that we get a lot of injuries because our technique is flawed. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about this, we, we, particularly with the gyra tackle. He was all sort of rubbery arms, and um, yeah. uh, there, there yeah. was certainly a lack of... He was tackling of... his arm, not with his shoulder, which, yeah. is why, which is why his arm got put in the position it did. It's exactly how um, Bailey Hodgson did his, his two, tackle with his arm, not with his shoulder. Um. Yeah, to me, that's a real worry. If you're doing shoulders because you're hitting guys with the shoulder and you're, shoulder, you're popping shoulders, that's rugby league. But you're getting dislocated elbows just making tackles because you're rubbing your arm and you're tackled with your arm, not your shoulder. That's technique. Mate, we'll, we'll kick on to the second half um, of the game. KP did lead us back onto the field and he really did look primed. I think one of the things actually on reflection is, um, you know, my annoyance at KP, what's going on off the field. He probably had his best game for the Knights last last night. I mean, there were still some sort of silly errors in his game and our attack lost all of that fluidity that we saw in the first two weeks where, where you know, the halves and Kurt Mann and, and KP just all seemed to be running into each other again. Um, but KP seemed to come out a lot more eager to get involved. He, he took a bit more charge of the kicking game. He, he overplayed his hand a bit trying to uh, kick behind the line for Tuala. But he seemed like he wanted to get more involved. And um, and he scored a try off, support, off great support play. 
So uh, we, we definitely came out in the second half firing, looking like we were going to take it to Manly. Yeah, KP played played pretty reasonable, you know, and you're right, he came out in the second half, determined that he could get us back into it. And as you said, he scored the try and he, he should have set up the try that took took us to the front, uh, other than than Randall's error. Um, no, it, 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 none, none of that last night we put on to KP, he... Um, he played pretty reasonable, but as I as I stated earlier, like I just and I think that last night's another example of it. In those conditions, a fullback that won't return kicks, it just hurts you. Mm. Um, we can't have a fullback playing lucky the second five eight. We just can't. And those conditions exposed it because you need to take meters when they're available. And this stuff where he gets it and just bobbles around waiting for someone to run off him to then put thing, it costs us fifteen meters every time. Yeah. Well, that sort of, and that sort of goes back to what you and I were talking about with Dylan Edwards on the last episode, which is that we do think that objectively Kalen is a better um, player, but and the way they're performing at the moment, well, Dylan is Dylan Edwards is doing the job that's required of him, which is to still get those yards out from the back or those kick return meters out the back for from a fullback. The KP just isn't doing it at the moment. Do you remember when he was, you know, early in these nights, 18 and 19, he was he was Carmichael Hunt Kamikaze returning the kick yeah. all the time. Yes. And he was half the size he is now. He's a big lad now. Um, but he just I don't I don't know why. I don't know. I assume it's coached, but I don't know why. He just won't return kicks. Uh KP ran for 30 kick return meters last night. Uh Ruben Garrick ran for 68 from fullback. So that sort of tells you the difference. That you were getting. Uh, oh, sorry. No, my apologies. Sorry. Uh, 38 from. Sorry. My apologies. I'll retract that. We'll edit this out later. Um, kick return meters from uh, Ruben Garrick last night, sorry, were 38. Um, KP. Actually, no, KP with 30. So, sorry. I'm probably but being the thing a bit. Is we do, the thing is, but we don't kick to the fullback. We were kicking to their wingers. Yeah. They were kicking to KP, and KP was just not returning it. That's the difference. Yeah. Um, was the turning point the no try for Chris the Chad Randall? If he puts that ball down, do we go on to win that game last night? No, I still think we lose. Yeah. I've I still think merely hit back and we, and we fold. Were we running on tired enough legs in that last 20 where that was the reason we lost or are we still – just a mentally fragile team where once that no try and a couple of other plays went against us, we just didn't have the mental fortitude to get us into the game to still push for the win. Yeah, we're still but, a team of it's not our night. Let's just go through the motions. Yeah. I mean, we we've lost... Been, the, we've been that... We we'll, Honestly, we were like that in the golden years. It was only a few times Joey dragged us over the line that stopped us being that in the golden years. We were quite often that team too. You know, we, for a team that was as good as we were, we got some almighty buildings. I thought Manly last... Look, it's easy as a Knights fan to sort of lay the boot in. You know, you lose by 24 points at home. Um, there was a lot wrong with the Knights last night. I thought Manly, though, did what they needed to do. I'm not a fan... I mean, <laughs> the, the the fan of the team that lost isn't going to be a fan of the way the winning team played to a certain extent. I accept that. Um, but the 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 penalties that Manly were happy to give away, the six against that they were happy to give away, we certainly didn't take advantage of it. Because six against don't hurt you in the wet. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Field position, so it's not costing you a field position, it's not costing you anything. Um, um, 
Oh, I do want to make mention of the Daily Cherry Evans um, laying down for Crusher when Dennis oh, actually yeah. cradled his head on into the ground. Yeah, that was that was poor. Um, like I don't like DC. No one likes DC unless you're a Manly fan. He's a he's a piece of crap. But um, that's that was quite frankly disgusting. We would you're right. We would mock a soccer player for doing something like that. Daniel actually cared for his health. I literally knew that he had his head in a slightly awkward spot, so I put his hand underneath his head and cradled it onto the ground, and DC laid down for a penalty. Yeah. And he got up laughing. And then, and then when he did, he got up laughing. Like, it's just disgusting, mate. It's 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 beyond bad sportsmanship. Like, building a penalty is one thing, but when the guy actually goes out of his way to make sure that you don't get hurt, mm. and then you milk that for a penalty and then laugh at him for it, Nah, mate. That's 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 not on. Yeah, uh, it's it's like we said. It's just it's just not a good look for the game. No, it's like not. It, it's like not, at the like end s- of it, the- we cannot bag soccer. Because I was a soccer fan, I'd, I'd put that on replay and go, "This is your guy. This is the guy that plays for Australia. This is the captain of Queensland, and you think this is the toughest game on earth? Spare me." I'm no expert. I just love the game. But more than that, I love the community. If you're a fan of Rugby League or the NRL, you'll love Big T's Tees. Unique, affordable and made for fans. Find a link to the online store in the show notes below. You'd look good in one of Big T's Tees. Mate, it was 18-6 to going into the final, I think the final 10 minutes. The final score is... um, 30 to 6 in the end. We lost all resolve. You know, Manly, you know, boosted their points differential. Where is the where is this Newcastle Knights team at? Are we are we still the team that we thought we were in the first two rounds? Are we still the same old te- or are we just the same old knight? Are we worse than the same old knights? I mean, where is this team as we get ready to play the Dragons in round six? What what do, what do they what do they now need to be looking to aspire to for this season? Um, I still think I think we'll be the same as last year. I think we'll be uh, finishing the bottom half of the eight and a first week exit, and I think that's unacceptable and may get the and should get the coach fired. You and I have said you and I have said it's top it's top six or bust for Adam O'Brien this year. We have to host a final and we have to win a final. Do you still think though that that's an achievable goal? I do because I've seen so much of that first week against the Roosters. Yeah. Now I'm I, I'm devastated how we played last night, and and with the week before too. But teams have bad runs in seasons. There's like plenty of premiers have lost three, four, five games in a row during the season. You know, like in 2001, we went on some horrible trots. Um, oh, yeah. That's not the issue. The issue is this can't continue for more than for any longer. That This has to be our se- the bad spell in the season. And it was simply because we had four games in 19 days after a big preseason. Um, and it's hurt us physically. And the Penrith, and the, the Penrith playing 50-odd minutes against Penrith with 12 men on top of that, and we've sort of not been right. Well, now we've got 10 days to get right. So the excuses are gone. We'll find out in the next two or three weeks whether this is the same old nights, whether this is worse, or there is actually a good team in there somewhere. You see, even that, like that, you certainly haven't used it as an excuse, and I don't think that that was the way you intended, but even that sort of rubs me a little bit the wrong way, this whole, oh, we did have four games in 19 days, so sort of, 
We're not the, caveat, the caveat is, but if you remember Adam O'Brien after the Roosters win, said that we trained really hard in the preseason, and he was surprised we played so well in that week one because he expected us to build into the year. He thought we would be physically tired early in the season because of the preseason is bigger than they've ever had. So he thought a few guys would feel it, and then as the bodies got used to the season, you know, obviously you get a few injuries, you get some rest through that. We would build into the year. So he was actually surprised how well we played in week one. So that's him ringing my head going, well, this is kind of how the coach thought we'd be. Mm. And, we're, and, and, I, and I understand how much we miss Braley. Yes. Braley and Clem. Braley and Clem is cruel because he's made us a feed is 10% of the players they can be. Uh, well, uh, our strength we go, has become our weakness. Do we go back to our initial concerns before the season started, which is that will our season be too far gone by the time Braley comes back in, hopefully around, 10, around 12, possibly as late as around 16? Yeah, it's still a concern, but I, th- I think that the weird thing is we're capable. We're capable of winning plenty of games. We're capable of getting to round 12 and being five and seven and being right in the mix. Because we've shown, you know, we can reel our five or six straight wins. But the difference is this year, we can't have a soft period over the origin period. Yeah. You know, we can't be getting to that sort of round 14, round 15 and being, you know, four and eight, four and you know, nine. Um, yeah, but all that's happened now is all the all the buffer has been taken away. I thought that Roosters win gave us a little bit of buffer. It was a win that we didn't count on getting. Mm-hmm. And I think and we've now lost that. I've I've definitely revised our um our anticipated win. I, I had us at fourteen before the season. I was hoping for fifteen after the rabbit after the Roosters win, sorry. Uh I've probably downgraded that back to twelve and twelve again. The way that we're playing, and I do appreciate that we have uh, a much fairer um, run finishing the season, but these things start to accumulate. And I think what bothers me a bit about the three losses in a row is that one of the things Adam O'Brien I thought instilled really good in, sorry, really well in this group, particularly in his first season, we never lost three in a row. He always made sure, no matter what, if we suffered two losses in a row, we were absolutely winning that next game, no matter what. And it's something that we just really didn't handle well at all. And we're into round five and we've already lost three in a row. So I'm I'm sort of uh, hoping that 12 wins will miraculously be enough to get us into sixth. But I'm not not holding out hope on that one at this stage. It's my concern with Adam O'Brien is the lack of flexibility in all aspects. We've talked earlier about the game plan. But I also think it's about the lack of flexibility in the preparation. Yes. Like, he seems to have these ideas, oh, we're a short rest, we don't really train, we're, you know, we're just going to rehab and do our video and that's it. Like, I no doubt that after two losses, a coach like Craig Bellamy would be like, well, yeah, we're tired and we've been beaten up a bit, but I don't care. We're hitting that training field. You know, is it, the, is it a cultural thing, that though? I'm happy that, that, game, that we've got the game plan 100% down, down pat for this week. Is it a cultural thing, though? Like with Storm players, are they showing up each week going, well, we know what we have to do regardless of how we feel? Whereas with the Knights, after you know decades of the culture that we've uh, developed in our club, is it a case of showing up each week and going, oh, do we have to? Like they'll still do it. But but, that, it- but that's the thing is, but Adam O'Brien now, this is, this is his third year. If he hasn't got that out of the team, well, he's not the man for the job. This yeah. is what the Tigers keep saying about, about Madge. Yeah. 
you know, like you can't keep doing the same thing and just going, well, it's just the culture of the club. What, so you just never want to get better? You're just going to go, oh, no, 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 that's coach. No, I'm not no, blaming no, you, no. that's what I'm saying, but I'm saying yeah. that's, you know, like you can't just keep going, well, this is how it is. You've got, to, you've got to keep changing. Like, I'm, the, to me, there's things are still standard. Like this year, we don't finish top six and win a home final. We don't, the coach doesn't get a, a renewed contract. Yeah, agreed. And I, I think I want to, because I want to talk about what you mentioned about the, fle- the lack of flexibility as well, is that uh, one of the things I actually do like about Adam O'Brien is that he he gives the gives me the impression, doesn't give a lot of people the impression, which is bizarre to me, but he gives me the impression that he's happy to put his hand up in public and take responsibility. I, I, in particular, I've always gone back to our first uh, loss up in Townsville post, you know, post pandemic, uh, or sorry, when the pandemic hit, post opening after the shutdown. And he put his hand up. He said, "I just, I just got, I got the travel wrong." He said, "I didn't realise the impact it was going to have. Uh, we got touched up a little bit." And uh, but so I, I get the impression from Adam that he's very set in his ways in terms of the way he wants to prepare. He's very ready to take the blame for that. But he doesn't seem like he wants to learn from his mistakes. He yeah. seems to be happy to repeat his errors and put his yeah. hand up when it goes wrong. And I'm like, I, I want him to take that a step further. Learn from these things that we're doing wrong when it comes to travel, when it comes to preparing for these conditions, when it you know it comes to team selections. Don't keep accepting the blame. Change it so that we don't have to blame you so that it doesn't happen again. Like, just put a marker in the ground at some stage. Just put that marker in the ground and say, those mistakes won't happen again. Yes. This is what we've learned. And, yeah, the pandemic changed things, but... It, We've heard nothing but since probably the start of January about how the, the trip to Queensland, the bubbling Queensland changed things because they actually got to spend time together and train together and they got to learn about it. And he got to learn about being a coach and they got to learn about being, um, you know, part of a unit and all that's gone out the window in three weeks. Yeah, no, that's, and that's, my, that's absolutely my take on it as well. Mate, I think we might put a pin in the, in the line in terms of last night's game. Uh, no, I didn't think of it again. Ever. <laughs> I want to get onto some of the post-game comments, or at least the questions that, and we we, we won't um, we won't relive this game for too long. Now, uh, you and I put up a post last night on Twitter that got one of our higher engagements, um, and that's probably because we made the mistake of uh, saying something negative about Kalen Ponger, and I say that because it's probably the most I've seen Knights fans come out to defend him, which was very heartening. Um, but we we put up that clip of uh, Kalen laughing off the constant inquiries about his um, about his contract situation, his future. Now, as you and I have already spoken about this episode, that is a situation of his own making. We've got a lot of comments out in support of KP and t- saying why they think he's done nothing wrong. This is why I th- this is why it bothered me what he did is that. Off the back of what we've said in terms of this is a club, you know, that fans care about. This is something that, to a certain extent, we'd like you to at least appear to be taking seriously. I'm all for KP handling it as best as he can. But that impression to me that he gave of just, oh, isn't this funny? You're asking me about it again. And it's like, 
like, well, no, he's asking you about something that is a problem that is, for all intents and purposes, being perceived as creating some uh, lack of stability. And it just came across as a very immature response in terms of the same lines of the strawberry milkshake content where I understand what you're trying to do, but from the perception of what I see, I just see someone who's not taking this situation as seriously as I'd like, and I don't appreciate that. That's where my um, sort of annoyance came from that clip. It came across to me as a teenage kid that is having fun and annoying people about it. Yeah. Like, he thought it was funny that people were getting annoyed, so annoyed by it. And, like, I get that he's, he's sick of it. I get that he's sick of hearing asking about it. But, mate, you created the situation. People are getting annoyed by it. Because they were always going to get annoyed by it. the media. Are always going to do this, mate. If you didn't realise the media were going to turn it into this, you need to have a serious discussion with with some other people in rugby league. Now, as I said, that yeah, this po- was always going to go. It was never going. To, it was never going to be every month you get a question of, "Oh, KP has a contract going." That was never going to be the case. And it just, he just really come across as a guy that thought it was funny how annoyed people were getting by it. Yeah. And no, mate, it's not funny. I want to hear about the game and the coach's plan. I don't want to hear about his stupid contract anymore. Now, we got a lot of responses to this, as I said. It got some fairly high fan engagement. I want to go straight to what appears to be the more popular uh, response is our very, very good friend, the true unicorn of NRL fandom, a Queenslander who supports the Newcastle Knights, um, Mr. Barjas himself uh, on Twitter. He said, both he and the coach laughed at the stupid question that they've both probably heard 20 times that day. I really don't see an issue with this one. Now, I have a lot of sympathy uh, for that position. I absolutely think that in isolation, as a one-off, if that had been the case, if that was the only thing that we were talking about with KP's contract, mate, I'm right there with you, um, Bargy. I completely I'll take my hat off to you and I go, you're right. Um, but this is the thing, is that that reaction is one of many things that the club, the fans and players have had to deal with over this situation. Um, I just don't think we're at the stage anymore where it's something that you just laugh off. It, it, we really are now at a sort of critical stage, you know, not only of KP's career, but certainly of our season where we saw a lot of potential where we need to look like we're switched on and we need to look like we're we're not distracted by this. So to laugh it off... It's got to the point where the other players are getting asked about it. Yes. Like every time you see the club's weekly presses with the with the players made available, they're getting asked about it. Kaylin needs to come out and come, Kaylin needs to come out and say, look, this is me. Talk to me about it. You're going to talk to someone about talking to me about it. Kaylin's not. Kaylin's trying to bloody make it out. It's this big joke, and who cares? And it's not really an issue. I'm sure his teammates are getting sick of being bloody asked about it. Yep. Um, I wanted to. Um, one of the other comments that sort of jumped out at me is um, uh, we got. Uh, I haven't heard from this fellow before. Pete Burge at Pete D Burge uh, on uh, on Twitter. He said uh, KP seems polite to the point and articulate. Uh, it's a good, but it's good to point out though. Um, for those on here outraged by this. Um, And again, I sort of, in isolation, I can absolutely take that on board. Um, I've probably looked at this too much, though, in the broader context, and it just feels like it's another straw that's being added to the camel's back in terms of this whole situation that is not just of Kalen's um, making, 
as we've pointed out, it, it's of the club's making as well. And, and Kalen is a generational talent that you sort of, you know, these things have to be um, handled um, in great detail. Um, but he, it, it just feels like he's adding more fuel to that flame. And he's also created the situation by the fact that he made his dad his manager. He hasn't got a manager or a management team to, to come out and, you know, and talk about this to the media. The only people that can ask about it, his dad's obviously not available because his dad's a private person. The only person they can ask about it is KP or the club. It's, um, yeah, and I think it's also a bit that a lot of Knights fans, because of the fact that we're a couple of psychos and also we have a podcast, you know, we watch all the presses, you know, we, we watch all the media, we read all the stuff. So we actually see how much it, it gets brought up per week. Yeah. And it's it's definitely affecting players because the guys that keep getting asked about it are the guys that have had severe dips in their form. Like I've seen I've seen Daniel Savi asked about it so many times in the last month. It's unbelievable. And you start yeah. to get annoyed because the thing is they're only human. It, it, it's not even the fact that it's about KP. It would be the repetition, and that because that's what the media want. They want to be, you know, they want to find their way to, you know, to ask these questions so that they can have their impact. And they're looking for their gotcha moment. And they, they, they want to... the story milkshake comment. Yes, that's what they're doing. They're pushing this to the point, hoping KP will have another flippant line like the story milkshake thing that they can they can, they can latch onto. So I, I think I think as I said, and we sort of reposted that on Twitter, the positive that sort of came out of it for us was that, mate, it, it's great to see Knights fans jumping to the defence of KP. It's good to see that he still does have that love. We certainly don't want to be right about this situation. Uh, I think one of the reasons you and I wanted to do this pod is that we are raw emotional fans when it comes to our feelings about the the club. We put it on the page. We put the the rage on the um, on the audio page, and uh, hey. Everybody was jumping out to his defence. Great. That's um, we we certainly hope that uh, Bredo and I aren't, uh, aren't aren't correct in this. You are listening to the Bay Fifty Three podcast. Mate, I do want to get to some um, post game uh, comments, questions, queries, and thoughts. Uh, these are always good. And um, just very quickly, we really do love the engagement. Bredo, I'm sure I speak for Bredo when I say uh, this was one of the reasons we wanted to do this. We, we see so many great fans out there, not just in Newcastle, but of rugby league in general, and we really do enjoy the engagement. Engagement, So uh, keep them coming. Vittori at acoulter84 said, last week AB kind of used the short turnarounds as an excuse. Do you buy it? I mean, it's something every team has to deal with at some point. The good teams just do it better. I'm 50-50 on this. I don't buy it as an excuse, but at the moment... Four in a row is excessive, but four in a row is excessive. Yes. Um, so it, it, I think, I, I th- I think, I think it, it's not an excuse, if Barney doesn't get sent off and, and what happens at Penrith happens. I think that, that cruelness that at the, uh, at the or sort of in the, you know, the second week of four in a row. Absolutely. I think though, a flat as attack ever since. I think though, what this run indicates will have a, I mean, we'll obviously have a better idea of it come the end of the season. You know, if we're sitting on 15 wins and we're looking back on that three in a row, this three in a row going, yeah, look, that was an unfortunate way. Glad the boys came back from it. It's not that big a deal. But if we're sitting down there at 10 wins at the end of the season and looking at these three, you know, three losses that turned into five or six in a row, 
then that's when that's when you sort of go, well, look, we knew the we knew the schedule, we knew the turnaround, we should have been prepared for it, and it cost us, and that's just poor preparation on our side and our part. So I think I think the short turnarounds will have a better idea of how we handled that at the end of round twenty five. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, Mr. Jones at Maitland Mumbler asks, how is it possible to sign the highly regarded strength and conditioning team from Penrith and have an even worse injury toll than last year? You can't blame bad luck every year. It's a great question. It is, it's the question that drives Newcastle Knights fans. Why the fuck are we always getting injured every single year despite everything we do to change that circumstance. And Brett, I want to, just before I let you jump in here, I want to go back to Slade Griffin. I will never forget your response to that. I was, uh, I wasn't at the game. I was um, out and about uh, on a wine tour out at the Hunter. And I was still following the game on Twitter. And I still remember your expletive laden tweet as, as he you know, did one of the most horrific knee injuries that I've ever seen on a football field. And you said, how does this keep happening to us? What is going on? And that to me is just a crystallization of the Knights, of the Newcastle Knights when it comes to um, health and fitness of our players. How does this keep happening? Oh, mate, I don't know. Like, as I said earlier, I've known... And, and you learn these under sixes. If you're not committed rugby league physically completely, you get hurt because the game will find your weakness. So I no doubt at all some of that has been the case over the years. Guys haven't put their bodies on the line and they've got hurt. But you're right. Slade Griffin, trying to come up with an effort play, destroyed his knees, careers over. Last night, you pointed out it was literally the right thing by getting onto a loose ball and someone rolled into him and, and it like oh, that's you're just ta- luck. You're talking Clooney's about the impact, the, right thing. the impact injury on uh, Adam Clune's leg where he was uh, strapped yeah. up for the rest of the game. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's actually a thing. Like I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan in the NFL, and we've had a lot of uh, our left tackle who's at all time great keeps getting knee injuries because guys get tackled because he's so good. He, he everyone around him is up on the ground, and guys keep actually rolling on the back of his legs and hurting his knee and him falling. And it's he's done nothing wrong. It's just pure bad luck. And it's the same with the Knights. So many of our injuries have been they have to be bad luck because there's no other reason for a guy rolling on your leg, you're getting injured. Like it's just like the Bradman ones. Bradman makes half a break, the guy tackles him from behind, drags him down awkward, he does his ankles. Like it is like I just think it is bad luck. It's a, it's ridiculous. How can it keep happening? But I think it actually is. Is it a bad luck though that it's an accumulation of a whole raft of issues that result in us getting getting injured i I can i can more than happily apportion maybe 20 to 25 percent of our injury toll on bad luck but even what you said about bradman i mean how many times have we watched bradman injure himself the same way in terms of he just he's determined to run the same way no matter what and we watch it the way he sort of slips and slides and um you know gets his ankles caught and i'm like well at what point are you going to start doing something different to at least help yourself avoid copying another similarly themed injury so and that's what i thought of change this year i thought the medical staff we've got this year that stuff will change 
And Noel's talked about it in preseason podcasts and stuff, how, you know, they have changed things, certain guys run certain technical techniques, but it's still happening. So it's, mm. I don't know. The answer is, I don't know. <laughs> like Penrith had this run. You remember, remember in the in the just before Cleary came along and early Cleary, Penrith had a couple of years there with horrific injury tolls. The year we played them in 2015 with the Spoon Bowl, they were they were a preliminary final team the year before, but had a horrific run of injuries in 2015. And you know, and, and they and that happened to Penrith quite a few years. I think it's it's just luck. It really um, is just luck. Isabel at Isabel underscore Sakaro wants to go ask, well, where do we go from here? We've got to win. We, we we have to win another footy game and we have to do it soon. And it has to be the Dragons down at Wynn Stadium. That's where we have to go from here. If we lose this week, our season's done. If we lose four in a row after that start, our season is done. Because Clem's not coming back for another month at least. Jane Braley's another six to six weeks to two months away. If we lose again this week, I think we're done. Well, we've got the we've got the eels and the storm after the dragons. That's right. That's home. exactly right. And you're coming off four losses. You got the eels and the storm. That's going to become six losses. Yeah, mate. We've had a bit of uh, Twitter royalty uh, jump on our our page this uh, this this week. Uh, Facebook NRL fan at Facebook NRL. Hey fellas, first time, long time. Is it time to bring back Rick Stone? Now that is a massive call. But can I say, if Uncle Phil has a spreadsheet of coaches that he's looking at in preparation, I will raid West's Leagues at New Lambton if Rick Stone isn't on that spreadsheet. It'd be a triumphal return for the King. Third time back. (laughs) They keep trying to kill him off and he keeps going to Burley and he keeps coming back. (laughs) These days at... If I never, if I never hear the name Rick Stone, let alone see him coach again, I'll be a happy man. <laughs> These Dave's at Cricket Flog wants to know: Will you sack your coach after next week's loss? The answer is no, uh, Dave. We are a uh, noble club at uh, Newcastle. We're we'll... not the Dragons. We don't knife everybody. Correct. We'll wait till season's end to do Correct. that, and then we'll do it through the papers. Exactly. Karate Warrior Two at m at me underscore dc. Now he wants some revised. Uh, Bay 53 odds on Ponga staying in Newcastle. <laughs> Mate, those six to one of his of him staying, oh, they're lengthening. I, I think they're. I, I'm I'm starting to think that him going is moving into um, pole position. I I think I think a couple of things that O'Brien said in the press conference this week, particularly after the game last night, where he said. Um, he was talking about, you know, Kalen making the right decision with all the information before him. I'm like, oh, that's a lot less confident than preseason when you were saying. But you know what I think's turned? I don't think KP's changed. I think the Knights have changed. I don't think the Knights are desperate to keep him. Yes. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the Knights have decided whether it's Tex or Bailey or whoever, they get another fullback. I think the Knights have decided that we can spend a million bucks on a top tier five eight. And, and have a good enough fullback, and we'd be better. Uh, Kevin Herbert at Godsmack442 then wants to know, if Ponga does leave, will the, he hopes the Knights go all, all out for Munster. Is Cam Munster to Newcastle on the cards? Is Would that be the would be, that be the true Andrew Joey Johns 2.0 uh, coming, uh, coming to the Knights? 
you know, do you know what I find? I, think, I, I don't think so because I think you'll want to go to if you lose Melbourne, you want to go home to Queensland. Mm. But I actually think that Cam could be seduced in the fact that he's done everything in the game, so he, I think he, he's going to take probably take the biggest offer, which will have the money to offer him more than anyone else will. That's without doubt. I also think that he wouldn't mind the Newy lifestyle. I think then the, he could live the Joey Johns life of you know being the king of Newy and getting away with a little bit extra because you're a Newy. I think there are um, definitely I think there are definitely some um some aspects there that he would like. Uh I don't think Newcastle is on his radar. Um but I think I think I think we'll I think we we will have the money from one and a half million. And I think he's worth it. And I and no one else is gonna have that sort of money. Maybe the Tigers. Well, he's not going to take them over us, is he? <laughs> I think though this is this one of the things that is you know potential irritation is it goes back to what you say about uh, KP holding the club to ransom, which is that uh, we were we are just not going to know if we've got the money for Cameron Munster because we're waiting on KP, and so that's but where. That's, Cameron, but the thing is, Cameron Munster's not off contract till twenty twenty four. Oh no! I absolutely, I absolutely take that on board. But uh, my understanding is that there's the potential there that the Knights have put an extended offer to KP, saying, "Well, no, we're going to offer you another three years, um, locked in at a higher." And so it's it's things like that that well, we just don't know now. Because the, the thing that I I I've been told and I hope is true that KP can't lock in one option and not the other. It's either both or none. Yeah. My my real fear is that he offers he, he accepts this one and then leaves. So essentially, he holds our cap tight for another eighteen months, where we can't move him, we can't we can't buy anyone, and then and then leaves it. I yeah. actually think I've heard, and I hope it's true that if he locks in one option, both get locked in. So it's essentially one option for two years. It's not yeah. two one year so options. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, look, I, yeah, I'm absolutely on board with you on that. Obviously, if uh, if we're looking at two one-year options, whoever signed that deal, whoever agreed to that deal from the Knights administration, needs to have a good hard look at themselves because that's that's terrible. That that would be a terrible outcome for the Knights. Um, we've got one here from a manly fan, Mario at Mario underscore Sags. He says, "Is Ruben Garrick? Yeah, is Ruben? I oh, will call him Garrick. I don't care. Is Ruben Garrick better than Ponga? And why is the answer so firmly a yes? I'm of the opinion that is a reportable offence on Twitter, and that's the sort of stuff that is more than likely going to get him banned again. There's a reason why the bloke's been banned 20 times and people want to punch him. Because <laughs> he, he talks shit like that. Like Ruben Garrick. Ruben Garrick. Ruben, I wouldn't pick Ruben Garrick for the Cessnock Goannas. <laughs> like, they talk about how good looking he is. The bloke looks like he's had his head kicked in since birth. Like, my <laughs> God. He's got Have a great a look hairdo. at yourself, Mario, you absolute fool. He's got a great hairdo. I, I must admit, Ruben Garrett. Yeah, it's, 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 it's bloody Nico hides all over again. The hair's fooled everybody. <laughs> it's the same deal. Ladies, yeah, nice head of hair, fantastic. Have a look at the man. He looks like a beaten child. Like, my goodness. Mate, we're going to jump I'm over to. I'm upset. Uh, and look, fair enough. Like, like I said, I'm I, I reluctant. COVID. I mean, I'd say with the kids. <laughs> look, I did reluctantly. I did reluctantly read that question. I obviously regret it now. Mate, we'll jump over <laughs> to. Um, we'll jump over to Instagram. Uh, Karabko Grant at Karabko on Insta wants to know. Uh, 
I want to insert a, no thank thanks for this Zach Grant I want to insert a really good question here but as I can't think of one uh, what do you do to cheer yourself up after such performances I do what I do after every time we lose against Manly I chuck on the 1997 uh, grand final highlights VHS tape and I listen to the screaming Jets oh, yeah yeah no I um I, I don't cheer myself up I wallow <laughs> You really, you really embrace that negative energy post loss, don't you? And you, you just throw yourself into it, and you deconstruct it, and you ask yourself what it all meant. You really get right. You, you know what? You know what it is. You know what? Because like, a lot of people have said to me, you know, why do you, why do you let a football team affect your emotions so much? Yeah. And like, I kind of like, like if I don't feel the pain, to me, the point of being a Knights fan. Is non-existent. Like the reason why I'm so proud to be a Knights fan, and I'm so proud of Knights fans, and I think we're the best fans of any sport in the world, because we embrace it. We embrace the the lows, man. We yeah. don't we don't fucking chuck the toys out toys out of the cot. We just we just wallow. We just go, yeah, this is our lot. This is how, this is who we are. Um, I yeah. still go back to the uh, the two the twenty twenty. Uh, week one finals promo um, where Joey was talking about that relationship between the town and the Newcastle Knights. And he said, the team feeds off the town and the town feeds off the team. And I was like, you've just described a codependent relationship, Andrew. And that unfortunately, yeah. And that unfortunately is exactly what um, being a Newcastle Knights fan is, but you sort of say that. And I, I mean, we're going a bit deep here. I didn't, I didn't intend to have this conversation, but I, I, I actually agree with what you say in terms of we embrace all parts of the experience. Like for me, I embrace um, the the negativity or at least the the, the post loss sadness because I'm like, because to me, the Newcastle Knights matter. It's just, a, it's just as simple as that. There's no yeah. objective merit other than the fact that to me, the goings on of the people involved with this club matters to me and the way I express that is I feel the highs when we get a great win and I feel the lows when I feel let down about and that is part of the experience to me I wouldn't want to be a Storm fan like as enjoyable as it was when we were really good and you know we never won every year you know we weren't a top team every year it was still a roller coaster that's better Knights fan like I don't Mm. I don't want to be the Storm I don't want to be the Roosters I want to be Penrith, you know, where our where our good where we roll around, you know, we have a shit few years, and then we hit, then we strike gold, you know, and we produce some good players, and we have a run of four or five years where we're really good. That's what I want. I don't want to be the Roosters. I'd much prefer be Penrith. Oh, is this, see, this this to me is why Andrew Johns to Brisbane or anywhere else never made sense. Oh, what's fun about always being top two and winning every year? It's that shit. I, I don't no, think Joey would have enjoyed it. I really that's don't. exactly right. I want to be winning the premiership in 2001, and then I want to go to Cronulla. Oh, I want to go to Shark Park in 2002 and have 60 put on me. That's the Newcastle Knight experience right there. Oh, like, there's no way Joey has as much fun winning premiership at Brisbane as he did winning premierships in Newcastle. Oh, absolutely not. Oh, I've got zero doubt he would have gone up to Brisbane and said, "When are we going to Fanny's?" Everyone, get on the bus. I'm calling Sid Foggs now. He's driving up to Brisbane. We're all going to Fanny's, and trust me, you'll never come back. <laughs> L- Lockyer couldn't handle Fanny's, mate. Fanny's would eat Lockyer alive. 
from my understanding, I, I, my this, the stories I've heard is that he couldn't. He, <laughs> whenever he was out in a night in the town in Newcastle, he was like, "No, nah, I'm not. I'm not going back there." Um, at Nikki Byrne on uh, Instagram wants to know: with Clem still out for four weeks and the Twins looking absolutely woeful last night, what does our forward pack need to get back on track? And why isn't Matt Croker being better utilised? Matt Clark eighty one has come straight in. Croaks has a broken jaw. Um, it's a still a valid question though. What, where, where are the, what, what stocks do we have, um, at the, um, in our top 30? Oh, do the Sofides just, are they an automatic walk, walk up start until other players come back fit? No. I would right, say so either of them this week. So who gets dropped? So, My starting front row, front row this week would be Leo Thompson and Suase Su. Yeah, I agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. Sofides need to pay for poor form. Can I just say one thing? This goes back to my point in preseason about um, COVID really affecting us. We ha- those got our next level of players haven't had a chance to develop because of COVID. COVID struck perfectly for Penrith. Their guys had all just developed ready when COVID hit. Our guys were we were two years behind Penrith in development, and it hurt. Us, it hit us at the worst possible time, and we're paying for it because we've got no depth. We've got no. That's wrong. We've got no depth that are ready to be week to week first graders. Mm. Like Leo Thompson has been a miracle. Like if, if Leo didn't emerge, our middle stocks would be absolutely. We'd have a problem. Atrocious. Yeah, we'd have a, we would have a big problem without Leo. And is there, that's, is a, is a chance, surely Pasami Solo's got to be in the shot this week, doesn't he? Uh he'd have to be. I, I if Pasami Solo's not making the team now, he's, he's never playing for us ever again. Yeah. No, he's uh, he he would absolutely have to be. What about Simi? I mean, I'm not talking about front row, but Simi's been 18th man for a while. Does he does he get a shot on the on the bench somewhere? And the other thing as well yes, is that to, to me, it's time for Simi to be 14. Yeah, it's it's, uh, t- it's time for Simi to be 14. Um, it looks like Clune's going to be injured, so Phoenix to half, and Clune to 14 for mine. Uh, uh, sorry, Simi to 14 for mine. He's been the standout player in, in the cup this year. He's been um, good, um, good meters. I've only seen the stats and a bit of one game. Our good friend Harvey G has uh, has been watching him closely, and he said, "Yeah, he's he's um he's looked he's looked the uh, standout player." So yeah, it's time for time for Simi to get his run in the team. Now I want to um, this uh, this comment got DM'd to us. Now I'm of the opinion if you get if you if you DM us a comment, I'm assuming anonymity, so I'm not going to read your name out. Happy for you to. Happy for this uh, listener, though, to to tell me otherwise moving forward. They said, I'm not the biggest fan, and I think we should be getting more from uh, KP for seven figures, figures, but he tried his absolute dick off last night. We completed at 69%. 11 of the 13 errors were not KP's doing. His brain was mush after two head knocks in 60 seconds, and he still comes out, scored a try, then set one up, and it was only Randall's uh, concrete hands that prevented the try that possibly sees us 12 to 10 up after 50 minutes. Yeah, we still probably get run over late, but KP had us in a position to take the lead. After that moment, I think the air went out of us and we were never going to win. Um, You and I were critical of KP uh, after last night's game. I think from my perspective, I can't speak for you, Bredo, but I think the press conference probably clouded my my overall opinion of him last night. all things being equal, he had his best game of the year for us last night, and uh, he he was he was trying his hardest to be. He was almost the difference. I mean, he had the potential there to be the difference. 
I wasn't critical of KP's effort, or I was critical of the fact that he doesn't offer what we need him to offer. He doesn't run the ball. Yeah. He gets in the way of the attack. He stands around the ruck. He does. He did plenty right last night, but he didn't do the things that the, a guy that's getting paid nearly twice as much as everybody else should be doing. He was the, he was the, he was the most talented player in that field last night, with Turbo not playing, and he was just another pretty handy player on that field. Um, we're not. It's just not value. There's, if he's if he's on half a million bucks, fine. He's not. He's on a million dollars of once more. I want more from him. Down the blind, Mate, the last comment here that I want to turn to is um, uh, Kevin Herbert again at Godsmack442. Now, Kevin, to me, is one of our Twitter followers who just encapsulates the 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 essence of the Knights' experience. And I'm just going to read out three words of his tweet here, which is, I lost hope. He's got a little. He's got a little teary emoji there. Kevin, mate, if you're listening, this is my personal plea to you: is that when it comes to being a Knights fan, the one thing we must never lose is hope. You can lose all the other emotions. You can lose fear. You can lose happiness. You can lose, you know, any negative emotion that you want to. But hope is the thing that separates. You shouldn't us. be able to lose hope because you're a Knights fan. You shouldn't have hope. Exactly. You shouldn't have hope. <laughs> Don't we, listen we to We feel so shit. <laughs> we feel so shit because the Roosters game gave us hope. <laughs> don't listen to Brett O'Kevin. Focus. We don't have hope. We don't have expectation. We have praying to Jesus Christ himself that one day we will win 12 games in a season. Kevin, part of the fun of being a Knights fan is that we do always turn up no matter what. And yes, last night's loss was devastating, soul crushing. It was um, slightly disturbing. But (laughs) But as a Knights fan, we do always maintain that that little hint of hope because it's that hope that drives us from one week to the next. So, Kevin, I hope you haven't lost hope. I hope you've, uh, I hope <laughs> that you've uh, that you've had a chance to rethink it, get on board, and uh, get back behind the boys because we'll dust ourselves off as we always do. We'll get ready for next week where we uh, remind ourselves that we do support the greatest team on earth and uh, look forward to building those hopes up uh, before the crushing loss uh, ensues against the Dragons. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like it's you know that's so bad. I've already convinced myself we're going to win next week, and we're going to win. <laughs> it's just, yeah, I don't know, mate. Knights fans, is it, I'm it, still it I'm still convinced actually we're going to be good. <laughs> it, it has to be the essence of insanity where we continue to do the same thing every. I hate week. it so much. So much. <laughs> mate, I think um I think you and I have spent enough time wallowing in this um in this result. Um, for one week, uh, I've actually been surprised at how long we've gone for this week. I thought, uh, I thought after last night's insipid performance, we'd try to limit ourselves, but no. Once again, we've gone epic, and uh, we may well be um, be pushing the the ninety minute mark. Very, very quick, mate. Uh, any thoughts, predictions, projections for um, the rest of the games this weekend? We did our tips last weekend, so I'm certainly not uh, looking for um, for any goings over again of results but uh, is there anything that you're particularly keeping your eye on this weekend 
I'm actually going to be interested to see uh, what sort of response Canterbury get with the, all the Cole Flanagan sort of brouhaha. Um, it's interesting that that whole situation. I um, it's weird. I, I, I feel sorry the, for the kid. The Gus, I, I, the I, Gus I don't think weird. And then the Gus came out today and said that um, Trent had asked him if he can pick Kyle Flanagan. Like, is it to the point where the coach has got to ask the CEO whether he can pick someone? Hmm. I, I thing is just strange to me. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I did say in I did say in the Looney Clinch chat that I sort of said I said, look, I, I understand what Gus is doing. Uh, he wants to be the lightning rod for the criticism. I think he's trying to shield Kyle and Trent from any blame or um, uh, throwback if it um, if things go belly up this weekend. But the problem for Gus is that the immediate reaction has been, well, all this sounds like is destabilisation of Trent Barrett's authority. What he has to ask you permission to select players is that is that how things sort of go now? So uh, I thought it was a bit of a weird miscalculation on uh, Gus's part this you week. You don't understand about Gus. The man's been in the media for thirty years. The media's been in the media for 30 years, and he still doesn't understand how the media works. Yes. <laughs> like, that was literally the worst thing he could say. It's Trent okay. asking permission. Literally the worst thing he could say. I am... All he had to say was, all he had to say was me and Trent have spoken, you know, about Kyle, and we thought, well, you know, it, now it's now or never for the lad. We're going to give him a shot. Yeah. That's and all he had to co- say. And it's the coach's call, but I back him implicitly. That's, that was, and that, yeah, that would have been absolutely. the end of that. Yeah, I've... Trent come to me, you know, in my experience, 50 years in the game, and said, you know, what, what do we think, Gus? You know, and I've gone, yeah, I support you, mate. If you want to give him a run, put him in the team. I'm, um, no, no. I, I'm keen to see how the Broncos go against the Roosters. It's been a weird week for them, and I think uh, Kevy's under pressure. I think, uh, I think he sort of showed it a little bit at his pre-game press conference. Uh, I think earlier today or yesterday. Um, but that was just, that was just a, a, the whole thing around that video from pre-season was just weird to me, and I find it really weird that Haas is suspended for two weeks, but he gets to play this weekend. I, I, I just think oh, that's. So I'll be very a curious. A slightly quick tangent there. A slightly quick tangent. Payne Haas has got more pressure than the KP. He plays for the biggest club in the competition. He's also, you know, demanding more money in his contract. He's got all these off-field issues that he has, but he's still the best prop in the game every week. That's when KP loses the excuses from one. Yeah, no, I agree with that. The role that, I mean, the role that Haas does is slightly simpler than what KP needs to do. I mean, um, you know, oh, absolutely. I'm not saying this the same. I'm not saying they're the same, but KP Payne is also not captain. Whereas KP is like if KP when KP wants to be captain, if KP wants to be captain. Guess what, mate? Man up. No, I think that's fair enough. I think um, it's the NRL though. It's still going to be another great. It's still going to be another great weekend of footy, uh, no matter what happens. So. Um, I think that's always one of the good things about the Knights playing Thursdays. You can get it out of the way nice and early and you can enjoy the rest of the games. <laughs> yeah, Bredo. absolutely. Um, it's, yeah, it's going to be good. Not knowing the inevitable failure is coming. It's already happened. Bredo, we'll wrap it up there. As always, everyone, thanks for uh, joining us. Um, this is the Bay 53 podcast and you are listening to it uh, off the back of the generosity of our good um, good producer, Big the Biggest Tiger, through the Sports Best Friends Network and uh, through the support of our major sponsor, uh, uh, A+, Contracting and Poly Welding. Bredo, any, you got anything else you want to add before we sign off? No, mate, just pray for Bredo. Hopefully I get through the next few days in ISO AK and we'll be back next week. 
Pray for Brado, everybody, and uh, yeah, enjoy the rest of the weekend. Talk to you all soon. Thanks, guys. Sports Best Friends would like to thank you for listening right to the end. You are our kind of people. Find other great sports podcasts in our family by subscribing. And remember, social media isn't a bad place. You just need to follow the right people.